This is episode number one of Road to the Show podcast featuring Major League catcher and former Arizona State Sun Devil, Tuffy Ghostwitch. In this episode, we're diving deep into the world of catching with so many valuable lessons, insights, and experiences on what it takes to get to the next level as a catcher. What's going on? I'm your host, Danny Perales, former pro ball player turned coach, entrepreneur, and I'm here to provide all the tools and resources I can to help you reach your potential. Each episode, I'll have players and coaches from the highest levels in the game to give you the best information, advice, insight, and tips to help you reach your goals in this great game of baseball. I appreciate you tuning in today. Now let's get the show started. Tuffy, what's going on? Welcome on the show. I'm excited to have you, buddy, and uh, it's been a long time. I'm really excited to be on the show, and uh, I can't wait, and and, uh, I think we're going to have some good content for him. Definitely, definitely, absolutely. Looking forward to this. So, if you want, um, you know, give give uh, give the listeners just a little bit of a background uh, history on on your story and your journey, um, you know, through ball. Yeah, gladly. Um, so, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I uh, played high school baseball at Horizon High School uh, for you know a high school, pretty much legendary coach uh, Eric Kibler, who coached mm-hmm. at our high school for 38 years, I believe. Wow. Won, won six state titles and um, really, you know, taught a lot to me um, how to play the game the right way and and uh, had a lot of guys go on to play Division One college baseball. Yeah. And then I went to uh, Arizona State, played there for four years under Pat Murphy, um, got to go to Omaha once, uh, <laughs> nice. learned a lot. Yeah, learned a lot there, grew a lot. Played with some pretty good players. I was going to say, not to interrupt you really quick, but (laughs) you had quite the uh, quite the squad there at Arizona State. You know, I remember playing against you when I was at SC. So you guys had like an all star team, pretty much. We were decent. Um, We had uh, one year. We had uh, Andre Ethier, uh, Ian Kinsler, Pedroia, Dustin Pedroia, um, Jeff Larish. Wow. Uh, Travis Buck. I mean, we had all these guys on the same team one year and it was, uh, it was pretty impressive to, to be a part of. And, For sure. um, I was, I definitely hit ninth in that line. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that though. You know, no, I, yeah. you're the one, you're the one manning, uh, manning the backstop, you know, back there and behind the plate. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure a majority of those guys though, look to you as uh, you know, the leader, if not one of the leaders on the team, you know, just being the catcher and kind of calling shots behind the plate. You know, I think that I, I, um, I try to take pride in that. And that's definitely something that I, I really, uh, work on is trying to help everyone on the team as much as I can. And, you know, especially the pitching staff, obviously, but I think that my job, um, especially at Arizona state was, uh, to try to get the best out of those pitchers and and do everything we could, because, uh, if we could keep the opponent to, you know, under seven runs, I think we probably won every game (laughs) Yeah. Cause our offense was pretty stupid, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was nice. That was awesome. And then I was lucky enough to have Murph at ASU, Pat Murphy, and, and he gave me a lot of freedom, um, when I was on the field and that really allowed me to, to grow and become a better player and, uh, got me drafted by the Phillies, uh, the 11th round in, 2005, uh, 2005. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't want to say it because oh, it's so long God, ago. God, date yourself, but, right? You know, you think back and it's like, gosh, time flies by so quick, but uh, it just feels like yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it was 13 years ago now, but right. 
Yeah. But anyways, uh, got drafted by the Phillies. Was with the Phillies in their minor league system for um, eight years, seven years. Um, then and, I ended up. Go ahead. You know, and that's like really quick. You know, not to interrupt you again, but like that that really. Um, kind of hits home because there's so many guys you know in that that get drafted or um and go to the next level but obviously don't make it through the system and the fact that you stuck it out um and you were with the phillies for that long until you know you finally got that opportunity and you know i'll let you continue from here but it's just just shows like the perseverance and the hard work that it takes you know Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, there's, you know, the majority of guys you see in the big leagues get there within, um, probably three, three to five years, I would say is, is most guys timeline. And obviously I was a senior sign out of college. Uh, the Phillies didn't really give me an opportunity, um, to, to get to the big leagues. I was in double a for three years. I was in triple a for one year. And, uh, it was just, a place I just had to kind of grind it out and <clears throat> and get through that part of my career and then I ended up uh, I was in Las Vegas playing with you for one month for <laughs> one right. month I, I remember got, you I jo- you joined us in uh, Albuquerque yeah, yeah. I ended up I, I drove from uh, Pennsylvania to Albuquerque with my now wife um, over like a day and a half period and drove straight to the stadium and suited up <laughs> uh, yeah put the put the <laughs> gear on and said hey here we go but uh, I was with I was with you in Las Vegas for a month and then I was a free agent and uh, signed with Arizona Uh, I was in AAA with Arizona and really they they were the first team that really gave me an opportunity and uh, a a serious chance at going to the big leagues and ended up being in the big leagues with them from uh, August of 2013 through basically 2016 Nice. Nice. And I'm sure that, you know, the history leading up to that point, getting to the big leagues, you know, playing with the Phillies, you were in, you were in quite a few big league camps in spring training and you might not have made it to the big leagues with the Phillies, but the experience, um, and, and lessons that you were taught in those big league camps with, all those big league pitchers and players, I mean, you, maybe you could touch a little bit on that because, I mean, that's invaluable. Like some of those guys, I remember I remember we would talk about this and you would just tell me about the guys that you were playing with, the, the pitchers that you were catching and that you were learning from, um, mm-hmm. which just really taught you a lot of things. So maybe you could just you know briefly touch on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, as, a, as a younger catcher, I, got, I was lucky enough to go to to big league camp quite a few times with the Phillies and, you know, be around veteran guys that were, you know, almost hall of famers is Roy Halladay and, and, uh, Cliff Lee and Cole Hamels and wow. these guys that, that know what they're doing and really, um, just the way they go about the game and the way they prepare, uh, probably were the biggest lessons that, that I learned is, you know, these guys are extremely talented, but none of them ever took it for granted. And, um, they didn't just show up and go straight out to the field. I mean, there was a lot of preparation that went into it. And I think Roy Halladay's work ethic is pretty legendary. But for those that don't know, in spring training, he would get to the field about 4.30 or 5 o'clock every, every single day. And wow. uh, the first thing he would do is go go straight to the weight room. 
he would do either an, like an hour long lift or like an hour long bike ride. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah. And then that was the first thing he would do. And then, then he would get his breakfast and then we would have early bullpens and he'd always throw his bullpen early. So mm-hmm. he'd throw his bullpen at like eight or 9 AM. And this was after, uh, you know, like a full leg lift. And yeah. Yeah, I, I asked him one time, I said, why do you, why do you want to throw your bullpen when you're, you know, already gassed? And his response was great. It was, I want to, I want to throw my bullpen. Like it's the eighth or ninth inning and I'm I still have to execute pitches and my body is already extremely fatigued. Yeah. And so, that's, yeah, that's great. I mean, that's just that type of, uh, um, pr- thought process is, is just what made him what a great pitcher he was, you know, and that, that worked ethic and, and just kind of set him apart from the rest, rest of the pack, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's awesome, man. That's that's really good. And, you know, those are just lessons that you took along the way and just kind of helped uh, shape you into the ball player, you know, that you became yeah. and that you are. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I mean, the, sure. I think the biggest lessons that those guys taught me were, you know, the preparation, the work ethic and the I used the word early, <clears throat> earlier is uh, perseverance. And I think that that's something that um, most people, you know, don't really examine that word. But I think perseverance is a huge a huge thing to have in life and not just in baseball, but everything you do. Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. Especially for, you know, these younger ball players, um, these listeners that are looking to take their game to the next level. And, you know, it is a game of failure. Of course, you know, you go, you know, three yeah. for 10, that's, you know, you're succeeding, <laughs> right? <You're awesome. laughs> most yeah, people, yeah, yeah awesome. most anything else in life, you know, people look three for 10. That's, that's terrible. But, uh, you know, keeping your head up and just persevering through those difficult times, which any ball player is going to come across, you know, so, right. um, so yeah, so let's get on to the next, um, next, next topic. Topic, um, and just kind of the progression of the, you know, catching fundamentals, um, mm-hmm. would you say? And let's just kind of go from beginner. So, you know, these players that are just starting off in the catching world to, uh, you know, higher level, let's say maybe college, uh, minor leagues, pro guys, and just that kind of progression that you would go, go through as a catcher. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the first thing, when you're young and the first thing you want to really focus on, I think is just, it sounds super simple, but just catching the ball. Well, you know, like how can I, how can I catch the ball, uh, quietly and present it to the umpire as best as I can. Um, and you don't, I think that a lot of times now you'll see guys and they'll try to steal pitches or, you know, frame the ball and they miss a lot of balls. And I think that that's, something that when you're younger you really shouldn't worry about as much as you need to make sure that you're catching every single ball and and um mm-hmm. yeah you want to make it look good but at the same time you know your your pitcher needs to trust you and if uh, even when you're young even in little league or you know when you're middle school or high school you rely on your pitcher's trust and so um the key to that is making sure they know that you're working hard for them and if they see you dropping balls left and right then um, that, you know, that's not going to create a whole lot of confidence in your pitcher. So yeah, I would say first, first and foremost is just, you know, receiving the ball. Well, uh, now how to do that. I think that there, we could spend a couple hours on how to do that, but, uh, each person's going to have their own way of doing it. But if you can be relaxed and quiet, I think that that helps a lot in, yeah. in that regard. No, absolutely. 
You know, it sounds so simple, but yet it's, I could just see how it is definitely something that's just easily overlooked. You know, players want to get into the fancy stuff at first and, you know, that progression starting off just with the basic fundamentals of just receiving the ball nice and soft and nice and easy, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, Uh, definitely. I mean, after that, after the receiving um, aspect, I would say, I mean, for me, it would be blocking, uh, blocking the ball and then throwing would be third in my mind. Um, not that it's not important, but I I look at the game like this. If there's a runner on third base and your pitcher, uh, has the confidence in you as a blocker to throw that two strike curveball, that two strike slider in the dirt and know that you're going to block it and keep that guy from scoring at third, then he's going to be a much better pitcher and uh, you're, you're saving a run, you know, and absolutely people sure. don't look, people don't look at it this way, but it's similar in my mind to hitting a home run as you got a really, say there's a really tough block in the dirt and, uh, you keep that ball in front and that guy from third doesn't score. And then on the next pitch, you, you know, you punch that guy out or you, you get him to hit a ground ball and the innings over, then you've saved a run. And that's in my mind, the same as hitting a homer, or, uh, you know, hitting the RBI double or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a good feeling, I'm sure, you know, being able to save those runs. And it's, you know, it, it looks, it, it, it not only looks good, but it creates that, um, that relationship, um, between you and the pitcher and, mm-hmm. and, and really, you know, creates that trust throughout the yeah. whole team and the coaching staff that you're the guy back there. And no matter what, you know, you're going to do what you can to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to prevent those runs from coming in. So exactly. You want to be reliable back there. And I think that that's, you know what catchers the best ones are reliable and they don't get noticed very much and um unfortunately that's the way <laughs> that's kind of the way that it goes but it's like the linemen in football right <laughs> exactly right like if yeah. you don't notice them then they're probably doing a pretty good job yeah exactly so nice man so what do you think what do you think in your opinion you know with your experience being a big league catcher and all what do you think at the lower levels is the most overlooked skill or skills uh behind the plate behind the plate yeah okay um most overlooked skill i I would say that they're the things that are not measurable so uh, now everything has data everything has some sort of number behind it Uh, and i think that something that they don't have a way to put a number on is the catcher's ability to call a game uh manage a game behind the plate you know, keep the tempo of the game going good. Yeah. Uh, his relationship with the pitchers. And, and like we've said already, the trust you have with your pitchers. I think that those things, the intangibles are, are something that can't be measured. And, and usually they're things that are overlooked. And, um, you know, I think that the, that's probably the, the biggest reason why I'm still playing is because of those intangibles and, um, you know, they didn't get noticed uh, at the lower levels, but once you get to the big leagues, those are what winning teams usually want is someone back there that they can trust and, and, um, that they know can handle the pitching staff and call a good game because the coaches have no control over that. You know, you have the scouting report, but in, in the middle of the game, things change, uh, from pitch to pitch and your scouting report might go out the window 
in the middle of an at bat and you got to be able to make an adjustment yeah i mean i love i love exactly i mean you just hit the nail on the head right there um and you we'll get more into detail here um shortly with that in calling a good game um and, and, and kind of dive a little bit deeper with that. But um, I like that, you know, because most people think just something along the lines of a skill as, uh, you know, receiving or throwing or footwork. But uh, right. those intangibles, you know, definitely are, um, as a younger catcher especially too, you know, if you can set yourself up, up um, to be able to um, have that that mindset and be able to handle pitching staff and, and, and call a good game, I mean, you know, at the lower levels, I mean, yeah, it might, might be overlooked, but – if you have a good coaching staff, they're going to notice that. And they're going to, they're going to realize that this, you know, this guy, he knows what he's doing back there, you know? So, right. Yeah. I mean, sure. as a younger, as a younger level or lower level catcher, I should say, um, obviously you need to perform in all aspects of the game, but if you can perform, uh, well and bring that next level, uh, to your catching, the next level being your relationship with the pitchers and the intangibles. If you can bring that, then you're only going to move up faster. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you. That's awesome, man. So moving forward, your role as a catcher, um, you know, we can briefly talk about this with regards to, you know, maybe being, being known as, you know, the leader, if not one of the leaders on the field and, and you're just overall communication with um, whether it's coach, uh, the position guys, pitcher. Um, yeah, maybe we just kind of talk about those, those, those things. Definitely. Uh, I think that the catcher is, you know, the go between for the pitching staff and the coaching staff, someone that can talk to the pitchers, relay what, what the pitchers, um, need and what the pitchers want to the coaches. And some things pitchers don't feel comfortable talking to the coaches about, um, and then the, the coaches can use the catcher as an extension of them on the field. And, um, I mean, they, you know, I think they call the catcher, the field general. And so it's, a <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, I think that it's already been said a lot, but I think that that is huge as far as, um, being able to work with the pitchers and talk to the pitchers and have them understand <clears throat> that you're there for them and at the same time be able to execute the game plan that you've gone over with the coaches because the coaches definitely are going to have a game plan for you to, to go out there and try to execute and it's a fine line of trying to balance you know what the pitcher can do best and what the coaches you know have given you to do as far as a scouting report goes. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. You know, I um, mean, I think, you know, a lot of younger catchers coming up um, when it comes to the role as a catcher, I, you know, I, I feel like they might think of it either. Some of them might have a clear idea of what their role is. And, and I'm sure there's majority of them that really don't know their role outside of, well, I'm the catcher. I, uh, you know, I catch fastballs, curveballs, changeups and sliders, and I uh, try to throw guys out type thing. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> try not to get run over at the plate. So right. I think, you know, those types of things, those points that you brought up are really good because I, you know, it's, it goes beyond just the basics of catching, like, like you've already said. And, and those are things that, you know, I think all catchers at all levels, you know, really should pay attention to in their game and think about, you yeah. know, and start implementing. So, yeah. And I, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm talking about these things and it's, it's, 
not that I'm forgetting about the physical fundamentals. It's just that I think that nowadays everybody is working on the physical fundamentals. And I think that to separate yourself, you need to, to go above and beyond that. So, uh, I'm not saying to forget the, you know, the fundamentals of baseball, the, the receiving, the blocking and the throwing. I just think that at this point, it seems like everybody is working very hard on those and doing all they can physically. And so they need to, to find a way to separate themselves. And I think that that's the best way to do it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So moving on. So, you know, being the backstop, you know, being the guy behind the plate, um, you know, that let's just say the entire team is really relying on, you know, I mean, we, mm-hmm. we've all seen it, you know, you and I, you know, at the same time on the same field, you got pitchers that, you know, can't throw strikes or guys that are just burnt out and, and you're back there just getting beat up. Um, what are some things that, that you that you would like to uh, you know tell our listeners and in these catchers out there um, about drills, tips, things that things that can set them set them you know set them apart on the field in their performance mm-hmm. and more of like a physical attribute something something that they're doing in on the field. Okay, um, you know I think that. <clears throat> Well, let's, let's talk about, we can talk about receiving and blocking and and throwing separately. So receiving uh, for me is, you know, you're really physically, I think you're trying to present the ball to the umpire in a way that makes it look like a strike. Mm -hmm. So there's different ways to do that. And you look at different catchers and and a lot of guys um, will get strikes and they do it in different ways. And part of it is, you know, body type. So you look at some catchers and they're six foot four and they're big and they're wide. And there's some guys like me that are five foot 10 and, uh, 185 pounds. Just and, solid. <laughs> yeah. Just pure muscle. 185 pounds. <laughs> like a wrecking ball. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, so there's different ways to do that. And I think that the best way that I can explain to be the most consistent is, you know, try to think about your body as like a funnel and, um, no matter where you catch it, uh, you're going to funnel that ball back to your chest. So, uh, if the ball is down, you're going to go down and meet that ball out in front and then you're going <clears> to, <throat> you're going to have soft hands and you're going to give with that ball and try to try to redirect it towards your chest. And the same will go on inside and outside pitches is you're going to want to catch the the outside of the ball, uh, and bring that ball back towards your chest and same for, for the high ball, you want to catch the top of the ball. So Mm -hmm. think about, you know, catching the the top and the bottom of the ball on on pitches that are high and low and then catching the outsides of the ball on pitches on either side of the plate. And and if you can funnel those balls back to your chest and, and do it quietly and do it all in one motion, uh, not make it look like two pieces. I think that that's going to give the umpire a better look and, and help him, you know, be more likely to call a strike. Nice. Yeah. You know, I like that. I like that thought of, you know, and I never really thought of it, you know, of course me not being a catcher, but you know, pitches high thinking high pitches low thinking low and then vice versa with the outside pitches. Um, I I really like that, that how you kind of broke that down. That's really nice. Um, now how could, how could maybe catchers, um, implement, um, implement working on these things in terms of like, you know, say they have, you know, 
uh, a teammate or their dad or a coach or something, maybe like a drill that they could they could work on or they could do to maybe kind of help with these types of things. Yeah, I think that that there's a good way to do it. Um, If you have, I I like to start without a glove. So you go no glove and then uh, get um, get a bunch of ping pong balls or like mini wiffle balls, Mm -hmm. and then you can you can just get down in your squat and just with one hand um, just have someone toss you the the ping pong balls and and you're going to try to receive them with no glove and just work on doing those motions. So uh, on the low ball, you're going to you're going to try to catch that ball underneath and then and, you know, let it funnel back into your chest. And same with all the other pitches. But when you don't have a glove on, you get a you get a much better feel for the ball. And then using the the small, really light ball, uh, a ping pong ball or a small wiffle ball using that will make it harder to receive the ball softly so if you can if you can receive that ball softly it's a really hard plastic ball if you can keep that soft and not make it too loud then um that's going to be a lot easier once you put the glove on yeah for sure i mean that that's that's right there is a good little tip you know for for the listeners out there you know and these catchers using something like that outside of just a standard baseball something and something smaller too and just really mm-hmm. um just really focusing on it forces you to to have to be soft with your hands you yeah. know if you don't then it's just going to bounce right out type of thing you know so or yeah you don't really have a choice and then you can i mean you can just take it to the next level you can grab uh keep your glove off and grab uh, different types of, of balls so you keep those ping pong balls but then you throw in maybe like uh, a soft you know like a squishy baseball and then you throw in a softball then you throw in a real baseball uh and then you you know you can throw in um like a golf ball and and just have whoever's tossing them to you they're tossing them really lightly and they're just right in front of you and whoever's tossing them to you just have them mix up um you know with the different balls and and it's gonna help you to you know no matter what the situation is be able to handle the pitch and uh each pitch is going to move differently and it's going to be similar to catching those different kinds of balls for sure that's awesome man that's great 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 bit of advice and some drills uh for these guys to uh take take with them and and work on so thanks thanks for that i really appreciate it you got um so next arm strength versus pop time so you know i know there's a (laughs) lot of controversy with this you know because you see a lot of catchers behind the plate that might have just cannons for arms but you know just not very good pop times or you know vice versa guys have you know, pretty good pop times, not as strong as arms as, um, you know, some others. So mm-hmm. where would you say, um, you know, a lot, I think the biggest focus right now with these younger players is like, yeah, I just want to get a stronger arm, stronger arm. Well, it's great, but let's not forget about the other, uh, other things that are going to really help you. I mean, yeah, sure. It looks good behind the plate when you're, you know, you're doing warmups and whatnot and you're just rifling the ball down on a frozen rope to second base. Um, you know, but if it, if you're slow, if you got a terrible time, I mean, it's, you know, guys are going to steal all day long. So right. I don't know, maybe you, I mean, you could just a little bit touch on that a little bit, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a perfect world, you would have a really strong arm and get rid of it quick. Right. <laughs> of course. But, uh, <laughs> there, there's not too many of those guys. So, no. uh, I would say that the name of the game is throwing people out. That's it. 
you know, are they out or are they safe? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter what your time is if the guy's out. So if you can, uh, in my mind, it's about being as quick as possible. So get, getting rid of the ball as quick as you can is much more important for me than having a strong arm because you, the time that you lose by having slow feet or a slow transfer, you, it's very hard to make that up with a strong arm. Uh, you just can't make up the, you know, the, the hundreds or the tenths of seconds that you lose, uh, by getting rid of the ball slowly. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, one thing we, we didn't really touch on and and we don't need to go into depth with, with this, but, uh, is obviously to your catcher or your catcher, your, uh, the pitcher. I mean, to be honest, I mean, you and I both know, I mean, they're going to be stealing bases, more off the the pitcher right. than the catcher. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you, just you, talking yeah. in a world of catching, you know. Right. I mean, you used to be fast, so you would steal. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be. I used to be. Yeah, yeah. At one point in my in my in my life, uh, those uh, so you days would, are long you gone. would steal more often than not off the pitcher, right? Yeah. I mean, definitely. The pitcher, definitely. Yeah. If the pitcher is is a one one or a one two to home, then the catcher's got to be pretty bad. Um, to, for you to, um, still be able to steal a base. Now, that being said, I I think that the most overlooked part of throwing from a catcher's perspective is accuracy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that a lot of time is lost if the ball is not near the bag. So it takes a long time if the throw is off and somebody has to go get it and then tag somebody. That makes a big difference uh, when you're talking about hundredths of a second between being out and being safe. So if you can get rid of the ball quickly and you have an average arm, even a below average arm, if you can get rid of it quickly and be very accurate, you're still going to throw out way more guys than someone who is quick with a good arm and is inaccurate. It's It's just the way that it goes. If you can throw it on the base then that's going to save a lot of time. Yeah, and it's going to help out those outfielders too, like um, like myself uh, chasing those pass balls down out there and backing up in the outfield, you know? <laughs> yeah, n- nobody wants that. No, Absolutely right. right. And then, you know, next thing you know, the runner takes an extra base. So, yeah. um, But so let's move it on to like catcher mentality, you know, and the approach and your attitude um, and your game plan overall as, as a catcher. Um, you know, knowing your pitcher, the batter, the situation, those types of things. Um, you know, let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we'll start with preparation before the game is, is usually pretty key. Now at the young, at the, at the younger level, like, um, let's say, you know, little league, high school, um, even college, you're you're not going to have a very in-depth scouting report, but that doesn't mean that you haven't played this team before or something like that, where you, you might know the guy, that you're playing against you might know some tendencies from what he did the previous time against you so i think that preparation is key and knowing who you're playing now once you get to pro ball i mean college and pro ball you you're going to have a scouting report and these days you're going to know every hitter's you know weaknesses and strengths and mm-hmm. what they can hit in this count and what they hit in that count and it just it's sometimes it's too much information and so it's a balancing act once you get to that point where if you're in the minor leagues and your coaches are now giving you scouting reports on these hitters and 
you're like, well, I got 10 pages of, of, <laughs> of information. I don't, I don't know what to do with all uh, yeah, this. And, yeah. Um, they, you know, there's gotta be a balance. And, uh, the biggest thing for me is I really enjoy, um, the, the chess match that happens during the game. And when you're the scouting report, you understand what that is, you know, the hitters, but you know, you see something that the hitter's doing in the box or you see the way that the hitter takes a pitch or the way that he swings at a pitch. Exactly. And, yes. and you go and you go, you know, in your head, you're like, well, this guy's tendency is this, but right now he's not even thinking about swinging at this fastball. So, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and not throw him. It, it looks to me like he's just sitting on an off speed pitch. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with my pitcher strength and just keep throwing this guy fastballs and, and see what we can do. And that, you know, I think that that's something that a lot of catchers that are younger now that are coming up, um, they're not doing quite as much because they're just constantly just sticking to the scouting report. And I think that as a catcher, the mentality needs to be that this is a constantly changing game. And, and when you're on the field, everybody's making adjustments so you know you need to make adjustments also and and you need to recognize what's going on and maybe that the hitter stands somewhere different in the box or he is choked up on the bat differently than he was the previous time absolutely i mean changing you know it's constantly changing you know at bat yeah. to, you know batter to batter and 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 you know you know pitch to pitch you know it all it all depends you know inning to inning so like you said just constantly evolving you know, as the game progresses and just being a student and really being back there as a catcher and studying and seeing what's going on, taking it all in, seeing how that, you know, that current batter maybe approached his previous at bat and what he's looking for now, just maybe in his body language and how he is, you know, taking a pitch and where, you know, things like that, you know, yeah. so valuable, like you're saying. So that's good. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, you look at, um, I would say the majority of managers in, in the big leagues are former catchers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that this has probably been talked about a lot, but you look at, I mean, there's a correlation because the catcher needs to be in every single pitch uh, of every single game. And as a manager, you have to be the same way and you have to really enjoy that part of the game, the the chess match part of the game. And um, I know in in the big leagues now, things are going a little bit differently the way that teams are getting information and um, they're, you know, there's teams that I've heard, uh, I have not seen firsthand, but I've heard that they have a printer in the dugout and they will get updated <laughs> info. They will, wow. get up, they will get updated information, uh, you know, from hitter to hitter, from inning to inning. And Jesus. this uh, game is just speeding up, you know, for all you guys listening. Uh, I mean, this game is speeding up so quickly as yeah. the years go on. And it's just, these are things that you're going to need to, you know, to keep up with or else it's, it's just yeah. going to go on without you. And that's, it's crazy. And, and you know, the, the, the information is getting more and more, but I think at some point it's, it has to level off. And once you know, when you're on the field, it, it doesn't matter what information you have, if you cannot execute anything. Dude, so hundred percent, dude, I mean, I when you get out there, it's still, there's a guy on the mound and he's got a rock and he's throwing it at you and you're trying to hit it with a stick. <laughs> like it's like that's I mean, it doesn't matter what information he has and what information you have. If he doesn't execute, 
then you whack it out of the park. Yep. And if he and if he does execute, then you're probably out. So, you know what I mean? It, there has to be a balance, and I think that things have kind of started to go a little bit too much towards the data and um, away from the simplicity. Yeah, I mean, people need to remember that when you're on the field, you have to be in the game. You have to be in the moment, and uh, that's not something you can't look up on paper. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more on that, man. Like, it's, it's. I think there is such an emphasis on numbers and data now that we are slowly getting away from just the basics of, of playing the game and going out and being in the moment and, yeah. and, and kind of clearing your, clearing your mind and not thinking about too many, um, you know, too many things. So, right. Exactly. Nice, nice. nice. So moving into your off season training, um, or just an off season training in general as a catcher, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, what is, what would you say, um, is your focus and, and as you were developing throughout the years, even before pro ball, uh, you know, quote unquote off season, what that focus right. would be. Well, when I was, um, in high school and college and even my, I don't know, first five or six years in pro ball, uh, my, my emphasis was, can I get, you know, bigger and stronger and faster? Uh, that was my whole emphasis. <laughs> Every off like everyone. Was, <laughs> yeah. Like everyone, can I get bigger, stronger and faster? And, you know, <clears throat> the last probably five years uh, since I tore my ACL, I think that my my mindset is not that I don't want to get stronger uh, and I don't want to get faster, but it's more so I wish when I was younger I had this mindset was I need to be able to move properly. Um, I need to be able to stay healthy and I need to be as efficient as I can. And I think that, you know, you want to get strong, but at the same time, if I can't use my strength when it matters, then it's not really that important. Yeah. So it's just irrelevant um, at that point, you know? Right. I mean, in my mind, mobility means, um, can I be strong at the end ranges of my movement. So say you get to, you know, um, baseball is all about end ranges of movement because think about how violent the movements are, uh, swinging a bat, throwing a ball or, you know, pitching or fielding a ground ball. All of these things are happening in a short amount of time and your body is moving extremely fast and, um, when you get into those positions where you're in a full squat catching or your your body is completely rotated uh, when you're hitting, you need to be strong in those end ranges where normally your body is weak and that's where injuries happen. So for me, the, the whole mindset lately, uh, the last five years probably has been mobility and um, I want to be able to be strong in the positions where I normally might be compromised. I see. That's and those that's a good way to think about it. And you know, that's that's coming from from years and years of experience, guys. You know, that right there is something that a lot of younger players, um, younger catchers yeah. 
younger catchers in, in particular don't really think about. And yeah. that's some that, that's some good information right there for you know for younger catchers to really think about and utilize when it comes to their you know downtime and when they're training, whether it's an off season or or just a couple months of of, of some rest. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, I, you you and me. Uh, I don't know. It's probably like seven or eight years ago now. No, six six right. or seven years yeah. ago now. I mean, we would we were doing CrossFit together, and you know, I I think that CrossFit is great. I think that it um, it's extremely useful for many people. Uh, I think that for baseball players, it is not the most functional, but I do think that it creates some mental toughness that when you're working out with a group and you're pushing yourself, I think that it creates some mental toughness that you can't find too many other places. And when I was doing it, I did it from 2010 all the way through 2013, I would say. And I was, I mean, you know, I was religious about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I was a a CrossFit coach, um, in California and, and uh, that was my off-season job when I was grinding away with the Phillies. Yeah. And so I think that it brings a lot of positive things and that it's useful. I just think that there's – if you're doing something like that or you're training, you know, heavy or you're training, let's say, Olympic movements or powerlifting and you're trying to get as big and strong as you can, mm-hmm. I think there's a place for that, but you, you can't. Uh, totally forget about mobility and flexibility and trying to keep your body healthy. And, um, you know, as you know, 162 games, you know, a big league season, which is yeah, your body whatever, is what everybody, out. you know, hopes to be playing, right? Everybody hopes to be playing 162 game season. That's, that's the dream. You're, <laughs> you're right. Exactly. Your body is, um, taking a beating and, so every single day you're at the park, I mean, you need your body to be able to, to recover and, and, uh, come back and be strong the next day. And, you know, I think, and I agree with you there and, and as well as, you know, really thinking about it now too, because outside of the big leagues and that 162 game schedule, and then, you know, not including playoffs if you're fortunate enough to make it that far, but even now in, in amateur ball, you know, it's gotten so specialized that like you and I both know. These players, these kids, you know, whether they're, you know, 10 years old, 8 years old, or 18 years old, you know, they're playing competitive travel ball throughout the year, year round now. And what I'm starting to find, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, is these players, um, yeah, you know, we all want to get bigger, stronger, faster, and particular and particularly speaking um, about catchers here, you know, yeah, they want to get faster, they want to get stronger, (laughs) whatnot, but they're playing year round they're they're yeah they, they might as well be playing you know a 200 game season or something like that you know right. and showcases and camps and, and and whatnot um on maybe two or three different teams and that mobility work really focusing on just not only your strength and your speed but really focusing just as much like you said on your mobility your range of motion your yeah. flexibility stuff like that that's really going to just yeah. keep you on the field because you can get like you said you can get strong and fast but if you if you're always getting hurt it's not yeah. going to do anything it doesn't matter yeah exactly it doesn't matter i mean so. uh you know that and, and something you mentioned there is guys are playing this many games in, in a year is i'm a big 
big fan of playing multiple sports and you know i growing up i played several sports a year and it's just i think that baseball is so specialized in the movements that we do that we do repetitive movements over and over and over again that that's one way that um baseball players get injured is you know your body is imbalanced because you're doing movements usually only left-handed or Mm right-handed you're doing those movements over and over and over again and, and your body is so out of balance from that that um i think that playing other sports playing basketball playing football um playing you know lacrosse whatever you want to play playing something else to get your body in a different mode of movement is just is big for some people that's that's huge that's i i mean i agree with you 100 percent right there um you know and I, we've talked about this before i think that's that's really as a young athlete coming up and young ball player really thinking about that and just different movement patterns for your body um and just overall um just wellness and agility i mean it's just mm-hmm. it's it, it's only going to help help these ball players um, down the road for sure. And Absolutely, I, you know. Um, so, anyways, yeah. I just, dude. I just wanted to say thank you. You know, this was this has been a great, um, you know, a great episode. Um, number one, by the way. So, thank you, brother. First one. This is oh, the boy. first one. Yeah. So, so no pressure. So, no pressure whatsoever. But um, you know, I think there was a lot of great information right there that you shared with our listeners and um, these younger ball players and catchers, and in, um, in particular, that that they can take with them moving forward and really just kind of utilize in um, you know every step of the way. So that's awesome, man. I appreciate it. Um, and you know great news with you signing with um possibly um a team here shortly um the, <laughs> we'll see yeah. here in the in the in, 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 the, in yeah. the big league so yeah hopefully thank you i mean i had a blast doing this and uh hopefully we can do it again in the future definitely definitely man well thanks again for coming coming on and one one last closing uh closing remark or question for you would be three takeaways that you wish you knew when you were younger that you know now so three things that, that, that you know now that you wish you, you know, obviously knew when you were a younger ball player coming up. Yeah. Um, let's see. The first one that comes to mind is um, don't don't take each game so seriously. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't don't act like this game is, is the last game you're ever going to play. Um, you, you know, you got to be intense and you got to have uh, you know, you got to be driven, but you also got to have fun and, and understand that. Um, it's still baseball and uh you know there's other things that that you need to to focus on in life as well outside of baseball and uh this game isn't going to be the end of your career the end of your um you know your life so that's the first one is don't take don't take each game too seriously uh the second one is um you know focus I, i would say focus more on your relationships um with your teammates and with your coaches uh try to build those relationships uh try to have fun uh, while you're at the field Uh, that's what it's all about is having fun in my mind is you know if you're going to the field every day and you're not having fun then then um not really any reason to be there so try to build relationships and um relationships will last a lot longer than than the baseball does and definitely for sure yeah. for sure we have <laughs> a sh- we have a short window in this game those relationships you know those great relationships will last you know a lifetime Exa- exactly yeah no kidding and then the third one 
would be, um, you know, the word that we talked about earlier is, is the most important is perseverance. And I think that if you can just remember that word and, and what it means, and you know, write it down and write down the definition and get it tattooed on your body if you have to, I don't know, but, <laughs> but, uh, perseverance, yeah. perseverance is key in, in pretty much everything you do. So, uh, it doesn't just apply to baseball, but it applies to everything. Definitely, definitely. And, and that really means a lot coming from someone like you who has persevered through a lot of things, not only injuries, but I mean, waiting your, you know, paying your dues and waiting your time through the minor leagues and uh, until you got your opportunity in the big leagues and, uh, you know, continued success. So it's awesome, brother. man. I so, appreciate that. Dude, it's been it's been great having you on um, on on this first episode. So I, I really I really appreciate it, man. It's great connecting with you, and uh, you know, tell the family I said hello and uh, nothing but the best. And uh, we'll be in touch soon, brother. Sounds good. Thank you, man. All right, man. Thanks it. a lot. Take care, buddy. You too. All Bye. right, see ya. Well, there you go, guys. That's it for this episode. And I really hope you all loved this one and found it as valuable as I did. I'd be extremely grateful if you just shared this episode with a few teammates, friends, family that could benefit from this show. Take a screenshot, tag myself, let me know what you thought of this episode as well. For more information on the game, go follow me on Instagram at Paralysis Performance and YouTube at Paralysis Performance for training videos, coaching tips, and much, much more. So until next time, guys, keep pushing forward and stay hungry and humble.